Hello and welcome to the Worcester Warriors podcast with myself, Jeff Barkley, Worcester Warriors reporter at the Worcester News. So that's it, Warriors 2018-19 campaign has come to an end and what a way to round it off. In a thrilling finale at Six Ways, Duncan Weir showed nerves of steel to land a penalty with the last kick of the game to beat all-conquering Saracens 31-29. It might have been an understrength Saracens side, but to claim a maximum point victory over the London club is no mean feat. It means Warriors finished the season on 46 points. That's their second highest points tally in 13 seasons in the Gallagher Premiership. Club legend Tony Window was part of the 2006 side that still holds the record with 47 points and remains the last Warriors team to finish outside the bottom three. Tony is director of rugby at Bromsgrove School where I've come today to speak to the former loose head prop. Tony, thanks for agreeing to meet me today. You're welcome. Yeah. Yeah. Did did you um, see the match uh, on Saturday at all? Uh, unfortunately, I didn't know because obviously being part of the school, uh, we we have sort of fixtures and activities on Saturday. So so part of the role I I now hold is being involved with those and and I was on a, an athletics meet at the weekend. Oh, right. Um, yeah, met up with a couple of old Worcester guys, actually, Andrew Stanley. Okay. Um, yeah. from Dean, he's now at Dean Close, and Billy McGinty now doing some work out at Malvern. So it was quite nice to catch up with a couple of friendly faces as well. Yeah, definitely. And, I mean, obviously, you can't can believe that it's been, like, 13 years since uh, Worcester finished any higher than, than 10th. I mean, that's, uh, that's, that's, that's a long time, isn't it, that they... You know, been been in around that sort of bottom three. It is it is a long time. When you say thirteen years ago, it doesn't seem that long ago since I was playing in that group. So, thanks for reminding me about that one. Um, yeah, it is it is it is a long time. But um, you know, testament to the club that, that they're still in the league. I think you know that that shows a great deal of resolve. And I think you know things don't come overnight. Um, you know, it's similar like when I joined the joined the club back in '99 when we were in the what was the old championship then mm. um, you know the, the goal was then to sort of jump up into the premiership it took four years mm. you know but when we got there you make the most of it and I think you know the current group of boys are, are making the most of the opportunity they're, they're in the league and they've got something to build on yeah it's obviously been extremely competitive this season I mean obviously for Worcester to accumulate 46 points and still be in the bottom three perhaps suggests how close it has been yeah yeah you're completely right it, it, yeah. I think the, the the difference between the top and the bottom is getting closer and closer you know you're probably got two three sides at the top end who are pulling away a little bit but then you know everything below that the other nine teams are very congested um you know i read an article quite recently from dean richard sort of saying you know last year they won games with small margins by one or two points this year they've lost those sort of games by one or two points and they've gone from being in europe to being relegated i think that gives you an indication of how tight that league is it's been quite a few times this season where Worcester have won sort of at the death or they've come from behind and to win um, what does that say about the, the group of players that they're able to do that it shows a tremendous amount of character yeah. um, you know you what you can't do is, is put a price on the fact that they're obviously not willing to give up till the last whistle you know, that that shows there's a must be a great team spirit within the group um, and a lot of self-belief you know to keep going till the end uh, and it only takes a couple of results like you say like last weekend when when you snatch it to death you suddenly start getting more and more confidence in those sort of results and think yeah you know we will keep going to the end because we can get get some out of this yeah just to me just looking back at your career you know you made uh, 222 appearances for Worcester between as you mentioned uh, 1999 and uh, 2008 uh, how did you see the, the, the club develop during that time 
Yeah, well, as I say, you know, we, we started off in, used to be the old first division, the championship now, um, and through, you know, since we got promoted and, and we were going in a very, very strong situation, you know, we, we got to fourth one Christmas, um, fell away a little bit, and I think that was the, the, the season you alluded to earlier about, you know, the most points we've amassed in a season. Um, I, I think... For even when I played and now I think what, what this club needs to do is just keep trying to build year on year um, and just keep moving forward in the direction they are because it, it's been a little bit of a yo-yo over yeah. the last sort of 20 years as it were so um, you know I think that the fact that they've shown that resilience we've already talked about and they've shown that obviously the belief within the group to, to keep going to the death is is the sort of things you can't buy within a group and they just keep, you keep building on those Yeah, did you when you were at the club, maybe in the early years, do you, did you sense that something was building there, something that was was quite special within that group that you know, which were head trying to head towards the Premiership? Yeah, very much so. Like I say, the, the the few years in the Championship, we we come second two or three times out of the four years we were in it, um, uh, and every year we sort of took a further step forward, a further step forward, in until you know. I think it was 2004, thankfully we got into the Premiership um, and then the club sort of, you know, we, we stayed in the year for a couple of years into the Premiership by the skin of our teeth as it were, mm. but then sort of progressed on, um, took a bit of a, a bit of a dip, um, you know, in, in the transition between, I think it was John Brain and Mike Ruddock, um, but then they seemed to come out the other side of it and obviously had the one blip under Richard Hill and, and then they've gone back up and down, but, you know, consistently now they're, they're, they're in... In the Premiership, and they're a force to be reckoned with in the Premiership. I don't, you know, I think I don't think any side would fancy coming up to six ways. Um, you know, so that's that's what they've got something to build on massively. Yeah. Yeah. Is it quite nice, you know, to see them achieving, um, you know, like they have been in, in certain games this season, to still see them as being an established Premiership club, and and is that's something for you to. You know, that you're quite, they're quite happy to see. Very much so. Yeah. You know, the, the biggest thing for me though is to try and see some sort of continuity with the group. Mm. You know, I think it, it's always been a case of well, we haven't quite achieved what we wanted to this year, so we'll rip it up and start again and yeah. have a big change over personnel. I think, you know, you you got to build these sort of relationships within a group. You got to build the team spirit within that group, and then sort of start trusting each other. And yeah, yeah, you change people, people come and go. That's the nature of professional sport. But I think the more people you can retain, the more cohesion, the more collectiveness you can get as a group, the the better that will be in the long run. Yeah, I think that's one of the things we have seen with recruitment this summer. I mean, they're, they're obviously losing um, some key players, like Surprise Team, um, Josh Adams, Jack Singleton, Ben Teo, some you know really sort of established players. But they've they're not making they've retained quite a lot of the squad, and they've added in not a huge amount of faces, um, but. The, main thing is they've retained sort of a bulk of the squad. Do you think that's sort of the right way to go about things rather than making drastic sort of making, you know, over you know, sort of 12, 13, 14 signings? It definitely. Yeah. Uh, and obviously shows the, the director of rugby and the coaching team there have got a lot of confidence in the group they've got. Mm. You know, they obviously think they don't need to go out and sort of bring in wholesale changes. So that, that then again, as I've tried to say, that will give the players involved in that squad a lot of confidence because they've now got the support of, you know, the coaches above them. Um, and I think that will hold them in good stead for next year. Mm. You know, looking back at your time, um, what are your sort of fondest memories of your uh, time as a player? Jeez, uh, that's that's a pretty tough question because <laughs> um, you know we we had quite a few. You know, the, 
the, the win in the league was after taking so long to, to get to get into that premiership because it was such a big goal for the whole club at the time, driven by Cecil. You know, Cecil was such a big factor at that time. Um, you know, it was his lifelong dream to get the club in the Premiership, and then to finally achieve it was was an incredible couple of weeks. Um, you know, and then then to have the the season where we were sort of fourth at Christmas. You know, things were going along really nice with a lot of highs during that period. Um, you know, we had some big results at six ways um, at, at, during that period of time, and and they're all special occasions. You know, I think that's the one thing that the current group's got to understand is when you have these big results, enjoy them. Mm. You know, enjoy them and build on them. Um, uh, and then, like I say, you know, my final game to get to the Challenge Cup final was, um, unfortunately, the result didn't go the right way, but it was a great achievement for the club to get to, to that level. Yeah, obviously you touched on um, that 2006 side um, a few times. What, what, was, what was it like being um, in, in that team which is obviously fighting towards the top end of the league? And, and what, what was that? How did that feel compared to maybe a side that was battling to, to stay up? I, th- I think we had, uh, John Brain was the director of rugby at the time, um, we had a clear vision of how we wanted to play. Um, you know, it wasn't end-to-end all attractive stuff, it was a bit more of a 10-man style of rugby, but we had a, a style of rugby that suited the group we had, and, and we maximised uh, the strengths we had within the group to do that. Um, now, I think that's that's the other thing, I think the current group's got to find the, the style of rugby they want to play and stick to it and, and find a group and find a style that you know they, they want to take forward. You obviously played with a lot of players. Is there anyone who maybe stands out during the time when you were at the club that you really enjoyed playing with or was a really sort of special talent? Yeah, you know, someone like, like Pat Sanderson was was a natural leader. You know, he, he's you know he, the old saying you, you jump over the trenches for him. He, he was a very good captain at the time, um, a great servant for the club. Um, you know, and I'm still good friends with Craig Gillies, Kai Osman, those sort of guys. Um, uh, and a few of us are going to get a table up together and go and support Chris Pennell's testimonial. So it would be quite nice to catch up with some boys there. So, yeah, there's a there's a lot of people. You know, I was fortunate to tour in 2017 with the school to New Zealand. I caught up with Greg Rawlinson. Mm-hmm. You know, so you make lifelong friends. It's not, you know, individuals. It's over a period of, you know, which was 10 years for me at the club. You make a lot of friends and. Um, it's good to try and keep in touch with them as much as you can. Yeah, and some of the guys you mentioned there are people who who've been at the club for for a long time, and, and that's that's key, isn't it? These you mentioned about continuity. Um, you know, Pat Sanderson was there for for a while yourself. Um, mm. You must have felt a real sort of strong bond within that group, really. Yeah, and I think that was epitome yeah. at the 2006, like you say, the the year of things went particularly well for us. Um, because we had a a group of boys who, who sort of stuck together, and you know, I think. Rugby's evolved from when I started, from an amateur game to a professional game. It's in the transition, but I still believe it's a it's a team sport, and I still believe you need to want to play with the person stood next to you. I don't think you could put a price on somebody's head and think, oh yeah, you know, because uh, he's earning X amount of pound, I want to play with him. I think you've got to build friendships, you've got to build camaraderie, you've got to build a team spirit, uh, and then be prepared, then be prepared, I should say, to to sort of go above and beyond the call when it when it's needed, and and that's the difference between the. The good size, you know, Kyle Osman's still a very good friend of mine. He's now involved within the marketing and extra, and I think that's what they they put a lot of their emphasis on. Yeah. Um, and I think there's a lot of mileage in it personally. Obviously, you became a scrum and forwards coach in 2008, um, and you were obviously part of the 
coaching staff for a while before um, obviously moving to Bromsgrove School. What was that like, that sort of transition for yourself, moving into the coaching side of things? Did that come quite naturally for you? It, it, it wasn't natural as well, to be honest, because I think my, my career was slightly longer than most is because I, I didn't really look beyond the year I was involved in. I was trying to stay as focused as I could on the job in hand. Um, so I'd never really given a long-term future a great deal of thought. Um, it was only when I picked up an injury at the start of my, my what was my final year. Um, Mike Ruddock at the time sort of came up to me and said, look, you know, this is one of those what-if conversations. What if you don't want to sign again next year? What if we didn't offer you something? Would you be interested in looking at some sort of coaching role? I said, well, you know, it's not something that's crossed my mind. I'd, I'd have a look. He said, well, while you're going through your your injury recovery, would you get involved with some analysis as opposition, get involved with coaching the set piece, you know, in your final time? I said, yeah, definitely. Um, so I, I undertook that role up until around about Christmas, I think it was, when I'd come back from my injury. Luckily enough, I got myself back into the first team. So, so the coaching sort of took a step back. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we sort of picked up the conversation towards the end of that year. And I thought, well, you know, at the age I was and where I was, and you had, you know, talented people like Matt Mullen coming up from Belief, I knew the club was in a good position. So I thought it'd be a good opportunity for me to, to look at the next stage of my life, um, but stay involved with the club. So it, were, it was a fairly easy decision for me in the end. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, it coincided with it being a Challenge Cup final and everything else. I thought it was a great way to, to finish a career on my terms, as it were. Um, so, so in that period of time, I sort of accepted Rudd's offer and sort of uh, signed a contract to, to get involved with the coaching team. What was it like working uh, under Ruddock as a, well, as, as a coach, um, you know, your early years in coaching? What was that like? Because I suppose his reign at Worcester perhaps didn't go to plan. Um, yeah, really good actually. I think it was it was always difficult to start when you're when you're as I've tried to say you, you're very good friends with the boys on the field. Then you've got to try and do, assume a slightly different role, mm-hmm. um, you know. But I was I, I maintained the fact all the time. I think you can still be friends with people while still coaching as long as you've got a good working relationship. I think that that shouldn't affect the whole dynamics of coach player. I think um, you know I, I see coaches as part of the team. Yeah. Um, and I think the more you can all bond together, the better. So that was difficult. And as I said, I think the year we we had a decent season um, that we've talked about a fair bit. I think you know John left, Mike came in. I think Mike tried to evolve the club to play a slightly more expansive type of rugby, but he tried to do it with the players who had a, a fairly structured set piece mm-hmm. game plan. Um, so when you try and take people out of what it not necessarily their comfort zone but you try and play different people in, in different ways of rugby I don't I don't think we probably maximised the potential at the time No and obviously clubs suffered obviously relegation in mm. 2010 how, how tough a pill was that to swallow um, considering the efforts that you'd made to get into the league and then yeah. to start building and then you know to finish eighth that one season um, and then to suddenly find yourself back in the championship must be quite tough. See, I found that harder than anything because yeah. uh, being involved in the coaching sort of side, when when you're playing, you sort of you know you, you you can express yourself at the weekend and you can give everything you've got. When you're coaching, you've sort of got to take a step back from that and you're reliant on somebody else to implement what you've tried to sort of put in place during the course of the week. When that doesn't come off, you feel a massive, a massive uh, responsibility that you feel like you've let the club down. So that was a difficult time. That was a real difficult time, and you know it was it was, it was not a great time for for me and all the other coaches. You know, mm. um, I think I was quite fortunate. I think that the club stood by me and said, "No, we want to retain you, and you know keep keep you involved in the club in in our 
our regeneration to get ourselves back into the league. But there was a lot of people, you know, like I say, Billy McGinty, who I spoke to at the weekend, and, and Mike Ruddock and other coaches who, who the club let go. And it's, it's a difficult time to see people you build up good friendships with being made redundant essentially so yeah. you know as fortunate I was at the time it was it was still a difficult time to see good friends sort of uh, you know losing their livelihood at the time yeah and you obviously moved um, to, to Bromsgo in 2011 mm-hmm. um, but you're also part of um, Gloucester's uh, coaching setup as well how did that sort of come about and how did it work in terms of balancing this role and, and that role? It was in my first year, it was, um, my first year joined the joined the school was um, Bristol approached me actually and I, I, I coached their scrum for the year they got promoted um, okay. uh, and during that period of time, um, because I think at that time John Brain was there and went to Gloucester um, and then unfortunately John Brain passed away. Um, so then Gloucester come and said, would you like to come in and do that? And, and at the time, it was the school were very kind to say, you know, yeah, we, I'd go down there in the morning, I'd do a Monday and Tuesday morning, then be in school by lunchtime for when I do my lunchtime practices um, and do that sort of thing. So it fitted in quite well at the time. Um, and, and that's how it, that sort of all come around, really. Yeah, so you had those uh, few couple of years there, but um, obviously your sole focus is uh, with Bromsgrove School now. Do you see... Any possibility of maybe moving to a professional club is that sort of finished with now? Are you quite happy just just with the school? Um, and yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I, you know, I love the job I do. Um, I think I'm very fortunate to be in the position I'm in. Um, I think we're we're, we're a, a, a very very good rugby playing school, a good school in general, um, uh, and you know, I'm very very happy with the, the position I'm in and the decisions mm-hmm. I've made. Because the other thing about when when you come along to the school is you've got I think you've got a realization if you want to stay in. Elite coaching. You've got a five-year fr- uh, window yeah. um, when then you know they start to look around to rejuvenate the coaching staff, rejuvenate everything else, and then you've got to be open to move around the country. You know, which is why I still live down in, in Gloucester when I move when I play for Worcester. I commuted. I'm, I'm a very much of an homegrown person. I don't like to mm. to travel around too far. Um, so the security of the school as well, and, and the possibility of putting down some long-term sort of plans. So it was very appealing, um, yeah. uh, and you know when you when you walk around Bromsgrove, you see what a lovely school it is, and it, it turned out to be a fairly easy decision in the end. Fantastic, and um, we just go back to, to Worcester. Obviously, while you were a coach, you've seen some of the the players that are still playing now. Um, mm. You know, um, come through the system. Obviously, Johnny R. Um, you know, he's left this summer. Mm-hmm. Um, what what was it like working with him and? and um, what have you made of sort of his time? At the yeah, makes you feel old because people like Johnny <laughs> R and Chrissy Pennell and yeah. Callum Black were, were all young academy boys were yeah. when I was about. So um, it, it's been great to see those come through, and it's been great for the club to hold on to them. I mm. think the clubs produce so many, so many good players through their academy system in Lost. Mm. You know, you look at Dylan Hartley, Tom Wood, Richard Blaze. You could reel off Percy, James Percival left and come back, but there's a there's probably a Premiership side out there who's come through the Worcester Academy years ago, and I think that was the biggest disappointment that we were losing those sort of players. Um, and like I say, those the boys you just mentioned, like Johnny and Chris and 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 Callum now coming back to the club, it's great the fact that we've managed to start holding on to them because mm. I think that is the long term future of the club. Yeah, I, I think you know. Graham Hitchin is going to be coming back this yeah. this summer, so you know, we've got Matt Cox, like I said, Callum, Callum yeah. Black, Chris Bennell. So it's good to have those sort of core group, isn't it, of players yeah. that, that have been through the club for. Like a, I say, it's yeah. a professional sport, but I don't think you can put a price on it. I've always said you've got to have a you've got to have an affinity with the club. I think you've got to want to play for the shirt you're wearing. 
And I don't think, no matter how much money somebody pays you for doing it, unless you desperately want to do that, I don't think it, it works. So, yeah, you've got these people who obviously, even coming back to the club, they've yeah. still got that affinity with the club, they've still got that desire to play for it, which is which can only be a positive. Yeah, and uh, as we mentioned about, um, you're talking about your role at Bromsgrove School, um, how did you sort of find life working within a, a school setup rather than a sort of professional club? How, how did how, it's quite big differences there. <laughs> uh, polar opposites, yeah. yeah. It, I, from 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 my my rugby perspective, I, I find it really enjoyable when you're coaching boys at the level that Worcester are. You're trying to make very very good players one or two percent better. So it's all about the small detail. It's all about how you can fine tune something that is obviously very good to make it just that little bit better. Um, when you come into a school environment, um, you're working with a very raw product, some young raw rugby players, uh, and you can see the development of these people and you can see, gauge it. You can actually physically see improvement because and that's the reward for me. Mm. That's the reward where you see these boys embrace all the things we're trying to work on um, and, and you see their, their improvement, their development, uh, and hopefully you see some of them go on to achieve careers in the game. Um, and we're fortunate to have produced a couple recently, which is great. Yeah, I mean, you've, you've had quite a successful side, haven't you? Obviously, yeah. had a couple of appearances at Twickenham. I think you won, won, did you win Twickenham? We've won twice, yeah, yeah. twice in 2015, 16, I think it was. Um, uh, and then we've won the Roslyn part of ours this year. So, yeah, it, we're in a good place. We, you know, we've had Henry Walker, he's at Gloucester now. Um, Ollie Lawrence at Worcester. So we've, we're producing some, 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 some. some Premiership rugby players as well, which is which is pleasing. Um, but we're also helping a lot of boys who go on to play club rugby, uni rugby, whatever rugby level they want to go at, to to maximise their own potential. And I think that's the bit I enjoy. How have you found the differences with um, how things have changed really just since you've been here in 2011 to now to prepare them for future in in uh, pro rugby? Yeah, I think we're you know as I said, the school's always got a tradition. It's always been a traditionally good, strong rugby school. But I think mm. what we've tried to do is probably try and bring the the knowledge that I've acquired over a few years of playing the game into the school and try and put in an all-round package rather than we're upskilling them, we're trying to make them better athletes. You know, as a school, we're, we're fortunate we've got a, a strength and conditioning coach who comes, who's in school. Right. Um, he's got two assistants with him. Uh, we've got a physio who comes into school. So, you know, there, there's a lot of support network around these boys. And as I say, it's not necessarily just tailored for the elite as well. We're, we're trying to make every, every child who comes through the school uh, to reach their maximum potential at whatever level that is um, but we can also within that programme uh, cater for the people at the top end but people who are, who are not at the top end who haven't got aspiration to go on and play premiership rugby uh, where they want to go off to a very good university and pursue a career but play a good level of rugby while they're doing so or go and join a club and, and play at whatever level so they can maximise their own potential I think that's that's the enjoyable. That's the really enjoyable thing for me is you see people at various levels. It's not just about the elite. It's about mm. all levels and uh, and seeing people get enjoyment from playing the game. Yeah, and in terms of your relationship with other clubs, do you have it's quite strong those links you've got with the likes of Worcester and, and yeah, more so Worcester yeah, because yeah. we're within their catchment area. Sure, sure. Um, and like I say, it's you know for, for me it'd be great to see more boys going out into putting on the the shirts of Worcester. Um, so yeah we, we've got good relationships I've got uh, Jim Gale the academy manager coming up this week we're going to sit down and have a chat so we can continue to build those sort of relationships in, uh, and, and all go in the same direction I think that's the key because as a school we're, we, we put a lot of 
uh, works the, probably the wrong word. We put a lot of time and effort into helping the boys develop. But what we need to try and do is make sure the development we're making is what is going to assist their long-term future if they have got one in the game. You touched on um, Ollie Lawrence. He's obviously uh, made an impact last season. He's yep. obviously um, made his uh, Premiership debut this season. Um, how big a talent is he really? Uh, yeah. See, yeah. Ollie's one of those. He joined the school and you could see from, from the start that he, he was a raw talent. Um, I think during his time at school, we probably we probably out fine tune some bits of his game, but also fine tune the the understanding that playing rugby isn't just about the eighty minutes on the field. It's about you, how you prepare yourself, how you conduct yourself, um, and you know how you you are as a person is just as big. It's interesting. Um, I read a book. Well, I was on Ollie recently, and it's. Um, um, and it's about the All Blacks and how they how they they develop their culture, and it's about you know it's how that that model works in business. That's mm. the book about, but it also tells you about the fact that their culture is bigger than any one player. It's about right. the fact that they all muck in and they sweep the they call it the sheds, the change rooms, and all that sort of stuff. And it just gives people a grounding, I think, um, yeah. and I think that's really important. I think that's the sort of thing that we sort of helped Ollie with. Yeah, because he's obviously got a lot of talent, hasn't he? Massive, but you, massive. You've, you've, I suppose you've got to keep his feet feet firmly on the ground. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think you you know it's good the fact that you've got that inner belief when you have got that sort of talent. But I think it, it's also equally as important to understand that you're not the finished article. And you've got to keep working hard to get better. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't, there's a lot of people who are who want to be in that position who probably will work harder if you're not prepared to. So it's just making sure that people understand that. You know, and I keep telling the boys, and they they laugh now. But I say, you only get out of life what you put into it. The more you, the more work you put in, the more you'll get out. So, uh, yeah, it's just understanding that, you know, the harder you work, the better it's going to be for you in the long run. He's obviously picked up a quite a bad injury, really, away with England. Do you think, because of all that, that what you've built into him, you know, do you think he'll be able to deal with that injury and come back sort of fighting next yeah. season? Yeah, no question whatsoever. He'll probably come back fitter, faster, stronger than, than when he got injured. Um, and I think that's the modern game, though. Unfortunately, it, 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 as awful as it sounds, I think injury is inevitable in the game. Um, now, for me, it's just how you manage them, how you recover from them, and how you use your time out to make sure you come back a better player than when before you got injured. Mm-hmm. And it, Some people utilise that and, and, and make the most of it. I'm sure Ola's going to be one of them. Mm-hmm. And obviously, with, with Ben Teo leaving, it sort of maybe opens up a bit of a more of an opportunity for him next season. Do you think he can sort of grasp that and... He's, uh, he can really sort of establish himself in that first team. You'd like to think so. You yeah. know, you think the games he's played, he, uh, you know, the bits I've seen, I think he's, he showed up very well. I think it's now that that then gives the coaches the trust in him. I think there's always that because he's such a young lad still. It's always the fact that, well, will he be able to step up? Will he make the grade? Will he cope with the pressures? I think the games he's played, he showed he can do that. So I think now he's, he's built their trust up. So I think it's now about giving him the opportunity. If, if, he give, if he's given a string of games, do you think he can sort of make an impact in, in the Premiership? Um, you know, like he's sort of shown sort of. Uh, off, yeah, know. yeah, and he's he's such a self-confident young man. I don't think he'll change the way he plays either. And he's mm. exciting, exciting rugby player to watch because, you know, he's not. You know, I, I watch a lot of rugby at the minute, and he, there's a lot of uh, focus on the physicality of it. I think Ollie's got a bit more about him, and he likes mm. to play with the ball in you know, move the ball through his hands and he'll flick it out the back of his arm yeah. one way or the other. And as much as he pulled my hair out when he was at the school doing it, I think it's a, it's a part of his game that he should he should nurture and, and keep, continue to grow because I think that's the way the game should be played for me. I think yeah. it should be... Uh, I keep saying to people, when I started playing 100 years ago, it used to be a Asian sport. 
um, I think the game's turned into a collision sport. Yeah. And for me, I think the more we can move it back to an evasion sport, the more it's going to be enjoyable for the boys to play. It's also going to be enjoyable for people to watch. Did Ollie always have those skills and always, he was always keen to, to try things? <laughs> no, no, no. Just, <laughs> just in case he ever listens to this, he was terrible. I've, I put all the skills in him ever. <laughs> no, he, he, he's always been a very talented boy. He's, yeah, he, he's always had the natural ability. Um, and credit to him, he's, he worked hard to, to um, develop it further. Yeah, and when, when did you start working with him? Ollie joined us in into sick form, so mm. he, he joined us when he was 16 um, and spent a couple of years with us, which was which was good. Fantastic. Yeah, another one, um, another player, obviously, Beck Cutting. Yep. He obviously came through his system as well. He did, yeah. You know, as a front row front row yourself, you think he's got sort of strong sort of capabilities really to go far. Yeah, massively. I yeah. think um, front, front rows, we tend to mature a little bit later because of the, the nature of the physicality of playing in that position. So, you know, I think Beck's one for the future, definitely. Uh, and I think it's great clubs like Worcester, and I'm sure other, others are doing it, but I think it's great that Worcester is supporting people who want to continue their further education at university, but still keeping the opportunity to pursue a rugby career uh, open to them. Um, yeah. You know, I... I I say to the boys, you know, you, you always touch wood and think it, hopefully it never happens, but a, a career could finish on a Saturday afternoon. So yeah. I think to, for those who want to pursue an education, I think it's vitally important for them. And I think it's credit to Worcester that they're allowing these boys now to do this while continuing their, their development into the senior squad. And in terms of the, the school this season, um, have you performed well? You said you've, you've picked, up a, picked up a trophy. Yeah, we picked up the, the Rosner Park Vars tournament yeah. this year, so that, that was good. Um, uh, and we had a reasonable season through the 15, so yeah, we're, we're, we're ticking along quite nicely. So uh, exciting couple of years ahead. We've got a good group at our under 16s. We've got four or five boys involved in the Worcester Academy setup. Um, so they'll come into the senior group next year. So uh, hopefully we keep more fit in, on the field and, and have, a, have a good run at it. Fantastic. Well, uh, thanks for speaking to me today. You know, it's been great to uh, sort of flex on your time at the club and obviously um, you know, speak about your role here at the, at the school. Um, well, this has been uh, the first season uh, running this podcast, so thanks uh, for all the listeners and feedback I've received. Unfortunately, I've struggled to find uh, time to produce them on top of, of everything else, but I'm keen to continue and I'm still hoping to put together another podcast soon, so stay tuned for that. Uh, in the meantime, keep picking up the Worcester News and visit www.worcesternews.co.uk forward slash sport for all the latest on Warriors. Thanks for listening.